a quote from the Buddha. Enraptured with lust, enraged with anger, blinded by delusion, overwhelmed with mind ensnared, people aim at their own ruin, at the ruin of others, at the ruin of both, and they experience mental pain and grief. But if lust, anger, and delusion are given up, one aims neither at one's own ruin nor at the ruin of others, nor at the ruin of both, and they experience no mental pain and grief. Thus, is Nibbāna, visible in this life, immediate, inviting, attractive, comprehensible to the wise. Just as a rock of one solid mass remains unshaken, by the wind. Even so, neither visible forms, nor sounds, nor odors, nor tastes, nor bodily impressions, neither the desired nor the undesired can cause such a one to waver. Steadfast is their mind and heart. Gained is deliverance. Cessation of greed, of hatred, and of delusion is the unformed, the unconditioned, the truly peaceful. what the Buddha called right understanding, samadhiti, is important. So that our effort is guided by this understanding, this notion of the true nature, true peace, the freedom from suffering as being here and now. Sanditiko, timeless. That's another way of saying that it's immediate. In time would be, well, turn, I missed it. It's on the full moon or when Jupiter is at the mid-heaven, or when, when I really deserve it, then, no, the Buddha said this true 
unmoving, luminous, peaceful nature. Always here and now. Timeless. The sense of time happens within the timeless. Well, it's a good time. in a tough time. Times are turning, get, 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 getting a bit better, I think. <sighs> I was fooled by that one. I'm back in the trench. The way we interpret time, all is happening within a timeless reality. It's always here and now, immediate. Ahiposiko inviting us. But we overlook it when we get hijacked by what's moving through the heart. In fact, on one occasion, the Buddha said, this heart is luminous. (laughs) That includes me, you. This heart is luminous. But we overlook it because we get confused by what moves through the heart. What's moving through the heart? Evening meeting. Forgot now the day, well, I think Wednesday evening. Kitty Sorrows, Dharma Talk. What's moving is the heart. <sighs> Kitty Sorrow again. <laughs> what, what about Tanisra? What about Dawn? Gulu, Juna, Adam, <sighs> Kitty Sorrow. Not just saying, but like my Princeton professor used to say, someone who sounds like that, it's hard to take seriously. <laughs> That's moving through the heart, and then we start proliferating. Wednesday, oh my God, only a... How many days left? We get confused by what moves through the heart. We lose touch with the ever-present luminosity. A great contemporary of our teacher and master, Ajahn Chah, named Ajahn Tate, he said the What's really important is to notice the difference between the activity of mind and the mind, the heart. Activity of of mind, what's activity? A sound happening in the mind and subsiding. Activity, going to the Dharma Hall, leaving the Dharma Hall. Making some progress, losing the progress. Damn. 
making the progress, losing the progress. That's activity of the mind, but have we noticed the heart, that which registered, that background that's always here and now, that knows we're sitting, standing, lying down. This is a special time. This, we've done a lot of work. You might not feel it, but people think are mistaken. Oh God, the world's burning and they're sitting on their butts over there at Spirit Rock, Kumbaya, whatever. We're doing the real stuff. Now, there is some real stuff, but is it easy? What did the Buddha say leads to our ruin and the ruin of others? When we're caught up in the desires, the aversions, the confusions, and all this so-called activity is motivated by a delusion. Special time because we've 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 worked at being with our conditioning, with our moments of patience, and beginning again, mindfulness, investigation. Eyeball to eyeball, as Ajahn Sajito said, with our tendencies, with our karma. That's not easy to do, but it's path activity that in and of itself starts to metabolize, reveal the nature of things. When Ajahn Chah was once asked what was the big one of the major obstruction of the Western disciples that came to him. He said, they've read so many books. They have so much knowledge about how, how it's supposed to be. And he acknowledged that we certainly can learn a lot from reading. But he said, the most important book which people overlook is reading the book of the heart. It's one thing to write an essay on oh, three fires, Kitty Sorrow. You really got that? The degree, the hatred, the illusion, the the truths, the thirty-seven bodhipakyadamas. That I mean, all these categories are theoretical, the hindrances. But the book of the heart that Ajahn Chah was talking about is, can can we recognize restlessness? Be with it. Acknowledge it. Feel it. Notice when we're just hijacked by it, we become it. 
But notice when because of this template, the temple, the form, the relic, that, that we voluntarily surrender to for the sake of recognizing the nature of things. Restlessness. Someone came to our discussion, practice sessions, talking about the raging fire within their heart. They were dispassionately opening to it, recognizing that that flickers and flames and wells up and subsides. Same with restlessness. Moments of allowing the condition to turn rather than just being turned. These are powerful moments. Don't underestimate the value even one moment, as the Buddha said. Through our commitment to this reading, the book of the heart, and noticing the nature of experience, like right here, being at the evening Dharma talk, even a moment of noticing that the Dharma talk flickers and dissolves full of holes. Though our mind might interpret it's good, it's not good, it's... Even a moment of noticing Dharma talks, ephemeral, an in-breath begins, swells, dies, manifests as an outbreath, even a moment of recognizing change. Powerful, boundless blessing. Boundless blessing? Why? What's so boundless about that? It's because of not recognizing change that we experience praise and praise the Lord and and lean on it, become that. It's wonderful to be appreciated. But that leaning on that condition is called birth. We've imagined it's, it's literally like leaning on something that then moves and we fall down because praise turns into being ignored or criticized. Or the moments of pleasure, ease, which are delightful. Ah. The extent to which we lean on that. It's not saying to deny it, but what what happens when we lean on, oh, finally, golly. Day four, day five, broke through. It was a hell of a thing. Write that in the journal. Breaking through. (laughs) And that's beautiful. Breaking through. And we're already imagining our Dharma talk 
broke through. It was a hell of a thing, but there it was. Boom. It was gone. Then one stubs one's toe and can't, can't walk anymore. Reading the Book of the Heart, one recognizes the changing nature. Why is that such an aboundless blessing? Because when we don't, when we imagine things are solid and real, then we take birth in praise, take birth in the circumstance of being recognized, honored. It's wonderful, yes, but it's impermanent. We, we take birth in when things go well. And it's wonderful when things go well. But when we lean on that, that's called birth, when we lean on it, It shifts, but Ajahn Chan, the wise ones say, that's like that child's mind that says, wouldn't it be nice if everything was always nice? That's a, a fantasy. The full moon that we had on the opening night, glorious. Wouldn't it be nice if the moon was always full? That lovely, cool, luminous light. But the moon waxes and wanes. Wouldn't it be nice if it was always pleasant feeling? Wouldn't it be nice if Bodies never got old, sick, and died. Someone once came to the monastery and said, uh, told me that they were doing the practice to, to that the body would never get old, sick, and die because that's all just a creation of your mind. And I said, are in the sky are the planets that are being born and dissolved? Is that just their thinking wrong? Does the bicycle that wears out, is that a, was it just thinking wrong? The nature of the conditioned world. But when we don't know that, that's what the Buddha calls being spun around with the worldly winds. We're so chasing the pleasing, the successful, the honor. Praise. And these are not bad things, but that leads to bumpiness as we keep leaning on something that moves. For many years I was very ill, and, and I, three years I, I laid down almost the whole time. Inflammation, internal bleeding, damage from the typhoid. And at one point they said I had an incurable condition. Doctor told me you have Crohn's disease. They finally have two years. That's incurable. But we'll try to 
And all these years later, when he looked at me, I said, oh, you're fine. I said, you're the one that told me it was incurable. <laughs> he said, well, I didn't... But now's a precious time because we've built up some virtue, some paramita, and we can rest on this and just want to space out maybe. But this is the heart of the retreat. There's an opportunity, what the Buddha called, enter the great center. To touch this sacred ground that's always here and now, beckoning us to touch it, to experience it, to little by little realize we can dwell there, deepen our abiding there, recognize we can, like Guan Yin, more and more operate from there, that letting go of grasping doesn't mean never doing anything, but it's letting go of this violence that we do to Mother Nature when we don't honor the true nature of things. Ajahn Chah said that's a bit like going up to a a duck and saying, why aren't you a chicken? (laughs) Look, I mean, quack, quack, quack is all right, but what if you went... Try it. Cuckle doo doo doo. You could wake beings up, be a part of their mindfulness, bringing them back. And we laugh, but you know, wondering why a duck's not a chicken. Or Ajahn Chah said it's like going, standing next to a river and arguing with the river. Why are you flowing that way? You should flow that way. Or he said, it's like boxing a tree. You're going to get hurt. You're going to reap. Or, or, or the Buddha said, it's like trying to grasp empty space. When we try to really hold on and really become just the pleasing, just the full moon, just the praise, just the success. It's like grasping at empty space. We'll reap weariness, said the Buddha. Or we'll find ourselves hurting ourselves or others. There's a violence. This using our presence to touch into the true nature. So we start to realize the changing, ephemeral nature of sights and sounds. The vibration of our body. The flow of perceptions. One can recognize, wow, there's no... That can't be owned. We can call it my praise or my health, but it's, it's a way of talking. That 
why noticing change is so significant is the tendency to really believe in this grasping, owning thing. Notice what that does when we own, really believe that. It starts splitting up the world. And then when whatever it is we grasp that shifts and changes, we lose our balance and then start blaming someone. When we honor change, then we start to recognize the center, the great center. It's called the great return. We realize that we've been looking in the wrong place. That when Ajahn Chah said to Tanisra, he said the same thing to me. When he asked me why I'd come, I muttered something about enlightenment. Then what are you going to do? Oh, then I'll go to, I thought I could do that pretty quickly in a year, and I thought I'll be humble, I'll just give myself two years. <laughs> then I thought, then I told her, I'll go back and finish my thesis at Oxford. <laughs> and Ajahn Chah said, then, then what will you do? I said, I'll go to medical school. And then what will you do? And he picked up a spittoon and had his hand going round and round and round and round. He said that same phrase he said to Tanisha, am I? Are you weary yet? If you learn how to understand one thing well, you'll understand everything. in seeing what arises and ceases. Will enable one to let be and let go and touch into the deathless. It's a wonderful, pithy discourse called the Mula Sutta. Mula means root, the discourse on the root or the origin. It's just ten lines. The first five lines are about how the world that we get all entangled in comes to be. Rooted in desire, friend are all things. Desire creates all these things we're going to, moving away from success, enlightenment, then medical school, and I'm not sure what's after that. Got to avoid that. Rooted in desire are all things. Born of attention are all things. So what we give attention to, our world, the, our inner world that we experience that we're experiencing, what seems significant, arising on contact, 
are all things, converging on feeling. What's pleasant, we feel really, that's so powerful. When the mind's not really contemplating the true nature, the pleasing we really want more of, the displeasing try to fix. Feeling, especially painful feeling, hard to see it as it is. Pleasant too, it's hard to see it as it is. We get so excited sometimes. Don't want to lose it. Headed by concentration. So that's that fifth line. But that's not the concentration. That's the liberating one. That's the ordinary concentration when we get fixed and riveted on my problems, what I have to do, they're in my way. There's a kind of concentration happens when we're being seduced and hijacked by a hopeless feeling. Gosh, if I had not had that misleading training, wasn't for that. We're fixed on that. That becomes our world, rooted in that desire or that aversion, not liking that. The Buddha described that as like a yak chasing its tail. Like when we went to Tibet, the yaks are the amazing creatures that helped us walk around Mount Kailash. But one can just imagine a yak chasing its tail or a dog chasing its tail. Just You don't succeed at that. Or if you do succeed at it, I'm not sure how satisfying that is. <laughs> But the last five lines are what leads us out. Governed by mindfulness are all things. Ruled by mindfulness. Mindfulness just starts to touch these tendencies, these riveted states we get into. And then as mindfulness builds power, surmountable by wisdom are all things. The mindfulness wisely notices, oh, these thoughts about I'm just not doing it well. I'm just not doing it well. Don't pull that trick on me, Kitty Sorrow. This is the truth. I'm not doing it well. Seeing that those are bubbles. They come and go, starting to notice that which remains, that ever-present, luminous listening. Yielding deliverance as essence are all things. As, as Tanisra mentioned, one of my favorite lines in the Pali Canon, vimutti sarasa bedama, vimutti means free, free. Sara means essence, like the essence of every single state, all things. Painful back? Yep. Hopelessness? Yep. 
breaking through and cracking it. Yeah. Vimuttisara, every circumstance. When our wisdom recognizes the changing nature, we can touch into that which is always here, not somewhere else, right here beckoning, this very listening, awareness, knowing. These are different names, whatever name we give it. Ajahn Chah called it Puru in Thailand, means the one who knows. Not an intellectual knowing. We might have an intellectual knowing. That's a thought that comes. But what knows that thought that's there and then dissolves? We could call it the listening. The sounds come and go, but the listening nature remains. Vimutti sarasabedama, at the heart of all. In this next line, so beautiful. Amato gadasabedama. Merging in the deathless are all things. All separate things actually, ultimately, are merged. Nibbana pariyosana, culminating in Nibbana, or all things return home in Nibbana, or the ending of thingness. When we really touch a moment and realize who's the architect of things, This mind that imagines the famous few lines of the Vajra Sutra, the Diamond Sutra. It says all conditioned dharmas are like dreams, illusions, bubbles, shadows like dewdrops in a lightning flash. Contemplate them thus. All conditioned dharmas, that means every kind of experiential, something that begins and ends, are like dreams, illusions, bubbles, shadows, like dewdrops in a lightning flash. Dewdrops. In our many years in South Africa, you've heard something about our beloved dog that came off the mountain as a gift to help us. Kuan Yin arrived to help us stay the course. And one thing that uh, dear Jack uh, would always go walking. We used to go up in the mountains, but in his later life we would just walk on the road. Everybody knew Jack. Jack had all sorts of names. He had an Old Testament name, a New Testament name, a Pali name, a Zulu name. Everybody had their name for Jack. He was Vajrapani, the great Dharma protector. Jacob, he wrestled with all kinds of angels and baboons. and Lazarus, he came back from the dead. He was kidnapped, 
poisoned scrapes with all sorts of creatures, but survived. Numzan that Tanisra mentioned, he was the Zulu workers like calling him the boss because he would take a nap anytime he wanted. <laughs> and you thought he wasn't doing anything, but he, as some people were saying, he's, he's doing kiddies all deep listening. <laughs> and when he would roll on his back, Ajahn Sujito said, Jack's going into big mind. But we just called him Jack. But walking with Jack in the morning, his fa- after meditation with the, my best energy in the early morning, in Jack's older years, I would come and see him. I said, let's take a walk. And he would shake his head, flap his ears with this huge smile, and then we would go on a walk. And he got to choose whether he wanted to go left or right. And we would go, and then he would read the news and smell and notice who had been here and there. But we, in the early morning, we'd see thousands of dewdrops glistening in the morning light, jewels, exquisite moments. The hundreds of spider, little spider webs, and the thousands. And thousands of glistening, jewel-like, diamond dewdrops. All conditioned dharmas are like dreams, illusions, bubbles, shadows, like dewdrops. The mind conceives of a thing, dewdrops. Oh yeah, wow. But actually, that so-called dewdrop is in this relationship, isn't it? It's not a separate thing. The sun. In this dynamic, interwoven, after 30 minutes, 45, an hour, where's the dewdrop? It's empty, it's there, it's empty. That we imagine that dewdrop, we imagine all things, that means me, you, we're interconnected like a lightning flash. We have incredible storms in the Drakensberg mountains where our hermitage, Dharmagiri hermitage is on the ancient sacred mountain. But when the storms come in the summertime and the rumbling coming, Incredible lightning flashes, which I never knew till I was there, had a beautiful purple tinge. But in the vast sky, seeing that lightning flash, never knew where it appeared. The mind, just the nature of the mind, it was so thrilling to see, would sort of want to hold it. It would, you never knew where the next one, and then as soon as it came, one would try to. All conditioned dharmas are like lightning flashes. Trying to catch lightning, though, is a bit stressful. All things merge in the deathless. Where does every lightning strike merge? The deep, dark, 
fathomless, immeasurable, unmoving night sky. When one recognizes that flash dissolves back into the immensity Therefore, it is said, just like space is to form, there's no lightning flash without the sky. There's no me, you. There's no forms unless there's space. We get riveted on forms. We forget that we can only recognize form because of this unmoving space. As silence is to sound, we, we get so fixated on the sounds, the praising ones, the critical ones. If I'm doing okay, oh God, I'm happy. Oh gee, I'm really messed up. I've been cursed. Everybody else has Buddha nature but me. But just like that lightning flash, as silence is the sound, every sound, where do all the sounds merge? Like in the silence. As silence is the sound, as space is the form, so is awareness to all phenomena. All things merge in this heart of listening, of awareness. When we start to touch and recognize the ephemeral lightning-like, dew-like nature, when we start to rather than imagine we can really own a dewdrop, it's kind of weird thought. It's my dewdrop. It's my bubble. That's my bubble. Pop. Own a lightning flash. Then we can be in awe of it. That's where reverence, just awe. And that, that's the letting go. It's not just giving up and it's the bowing, holding lightly. Then the ephemeral, ever-changing reveals we suddenly find ourselves that return, touching what has always already been here, inviting. So it's not attained. That's why I said waking up to our nature. Guan Yin's meditation is is called returning the hearing. It's called the Sharangama Samadhi. Sharangama means the indestructible. It's turning the mind to the deathless. Not denying that which moves through the heart. We honor the forms, the lightning flashes, the dewdrops, but we're noticing that which remains. As we return the hearing to listen in to this presence.
early in my monastic life, this, this method of honoring the sacred that's always here. One entrance into it, this same, this is called radical reflection. It's a reflection of radical means connected to root. It's turning back and honoring the root, the source, which is here. We're too busy trying to grasp at a certain circumstance. The Buddha said that's like polishing a brick, hoping to get a mirror. Don't bother me. I'm, I'm making progress. <laughs> ten out of ten for effort. But, or that's a little bit like asking the duck why it's not a chicken. Or the image the Buddha gave is it's like cooking sand, hoping to get a savory meal. It's asking conditions what they can't do. It's choking life, manipulating, bullying life. This radical reflection means we honor the changing nature. Let be, and then the heart's able to respond, but we're touching into that Source, that's why Kuan Yin is at ease, but she can respond from that place within which everything is born and dying. Our teacher introduced us, our Western teacher, Ajahn Sumedho, introduced us to this because he said, he reminded us that the Buddha taught what gets us in trouble is our thinking, our thinking, which is so deluded by this proliferating mind that keeps categorizing. It's what the Buddha called papancha. The Buddha said we must learn how to use thinking, yes, to consider whether something is wholesome or not, but then we think way too much. It encourages us to learn how to train the heart to use thinking as a tool, but then to put it down. So our teacher introduced us to the practice of minding the gap. Letting an ordinary thought, this is where sacred word can help, or any thought, I'm sitting. But noticing the space right before the thought. And think it slow, I'm sitting. Space right after. And savoring the birth and death. And minding, savoring, listening in to those moments where we're not categorizing. In those moments, the walls of the mind dissolve because they're just built on this magic show of thinking. Sacred word, like Kuan Yin's name, or Buddha, reminds us to let the word sound, it's ephemeral, but as we return the hearing, return the attention, we begin to recognize what 
never changes. When I first discovered that, I'd been a monk for a couple of years and this method was being taught by a, a great, wonderful Avanta, Vedanta sage called Sri Nisargadatta, and he taught the technique, I am. It's just a phrase, but usually I am a winner, I'm a loser, I'm getting there but too slow. Rather than I am this, I am that, he just encouraged, what if you just say the word I am, but let that thought lightly dissolve and minding, resting in that ever-present listening. That touching into the background, that is called radical reflection. This is the essence of Kuan Yin's method. I was in a monastery, one of the branch monasteries, and it was... I'd be, I realized I'd been one of those trying to polish a brick. I could get calm, and I wanted more calm and more calm and more calm than it would go. Then I would get diarrhea, and then I would get a lust attack, and then I would get calm and more calm and more calm. <laughs> but the I am, and all these thoughts I was happen, having, they would come and go. And I started even inviting the thoughts I was afraid of, and just noticing, minding the gaps. I'm good, I'm bad, the best, I'm the worst. This is terrible. This is wonderful. I started recognizing what remains. A question, one of the prime methods for this practice, which we'll be looking at some tomorrow with this minding the gap, is a question like, who's trying so hard? For a moment, the question then brings a subtle doubt so the mind's not thinking, and the attention goes, hmm too strong and we'll just feel like we have a headache, but just really gently, who? And savor that gap. These are called huatos, or in Chinese it means the word is the tail but the word keeps dissolving back into the head, the origin, the source, the root. So each word, as it dissolves, is like it carries us back to the root, to the ground, to the center.
courage is to be patient. Having started this path, the Buddha said we're doomed to awakening because that's our true nature. It's our Sri Nagat. Nisargadatta said it's like a little spark in a big cargo container ship of cotton. A little spark, little by little, burns up, revealing the space. This moment of noticing how it is, allowing that to keep revelatory. As Ajahn Chah would say, you can do this, have a sense of humor, you can learn to laugh at our struggles. That our sacred word keep reminding us to trust in this refuge. Just finishing with a few words from Ajahn Chah. If I can find it. You will reach a point where the heart tells itself what to do. Try to be mindful and let things take their natural course then your mind will become still in any surroundings like a clear forest pool. All kinds of wonderful rare animals will come to drink at the pool and you will clearly see the nature of all things. You will see many strange and wonderful things come and go, but you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha. Thank you for your attention. Those who wish, there will be a walking.
period, a little walking period, and then finishing the evening. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.